1: Welcome to the Barcelona podcast episode 133 on Miss Little is brought to you by the most influential voices in the FC Barcelona community. I'm Dan Hilton and before we get started I just wanted to formally announce on the podcast that to better serve my local Barcelona community I've entered into an official partnership with the New York City Pena. You may already have seen one or two things but there are certainly more details to follow but I felt like and they felt like it was a good way to not only collaborate but to get people a better understanding a hands-on understanding of what peñas do and what peñas can do in communities so you've heard a lot of different voices on uh, from different peñas around the world over the two years that we've been doing this show and this is just the next step in trying to be able to again give a more hands-on experience that's going to create a little more content uh, better with its video it's for the podcast Uh, again more details to follow but we're excited about this partnership all right now, on to my guest. On the line with me now is author, journalist, and maybe occasional watcher of matches during the international break, plus content editor for FC Barcelona, is Jason Pettigrove. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing, Jason?
2: I'm very well, Dan. Thank you very much for having me.
1: And the reason we have you on, and the reason I say occasional watcher of matches during the international break, there is a, a feeling that there's a quick break, a malaise that runs through the fan bases of particularly club teams, that don't really look forward to the international break. There's this feeling that the only thing that can happen is their players get injured, and then you're worrying about the rest of the season. So today's Le Grand Pagunta, was this international break a positive for SC Barcelona? And again, this is a basically direct contradiction of what the fan base basically says, is that the international break is a waste of time. They're frustrated by it. They can't wait for it to be over. But it seems that this two weeks could potentially make Barcelona better for the future I think that's the debate we're going to have and we'll look through certain players and certain situations to get to the bottom of this let's start Jason though with we'll call them the walking wounded or the walking injured as Luis Suarez did not travel with Uruguay, and Usmane Dembele still working his way back, trying to get back desperately for that two-legged tie against Man United. I think it's going to be awful close there. And while he is not injured, Malcolm also, there's a story about him this week that he didn't come to the optional training. But if you don't mind, Jason, I'm going to throw that Malcolm one out the window and just say that it's some silly Spanish drummings you need something to talk about during the international break. But I'm more concerned about Luis Suarez and Mane Dembele and their progress in getting back through training. Yeah, I
2: think uh, let's start with Suarez. Uh, his progress has been excellent. I think uh, most of your listeners and, and people that go on the official website will have seen the pictures of him um, getting back to full fitness. And I think by the time we come around to the Espanyol fixture, he's going to be there or thereabouts. Dembele, I agree with you, touch and go. But I think we've seen a real change in his mentality, haven't we, since the beginning of the season? Uh, and now he's, you know, he's really up for this last part of the season, the business end. He's doing everything he possibly can to get fit for the United game. So let's keep our fingers crossed that he'll be there.
1: And now working through the international matches, we're going to keep to try to stay with the positive end of things. The Spanish contingent: Jordi Alba, Sergio Busquets, and Sergio Roberto. They go to Spain 2-1, win over Norway, and a 2-0 win over Malta, Busquets, and Alba were featured against Norway in that victory in the European qualifiers, and then Roberto against Malta in another European qualifier. He goes 90 in that one, but it's only 90 minutes for all three of those Spanish players involved. Nobody picked up a knock, and I think this is just one of those you don't worry about, right?
2: Correct. Let me just preface what we're going to sort of speak about as well, is that... I don't particularly like this particular international break because of when it comes in the season. It's right at the time when you need all your players there 100%. And I kind of agree with some people in the sense that there can be these odd occasions when players do pick up injuries and that can have a real effect towards the end of the season. However, from a Spanish point of view, and Barcelona, it's perfect. Sergi got ninety minutes uh, in sorry in the Malta game, was excellent in both the positions he played. Uh, Busi was he was well, buzzy wasn't he? I mean, he was calm, <laughs> yeah. authoritative. Every facet of his game is peerless, and I think there's a well-known saying: simplicity is genius, and that applies perfectly to him. Alba. Is doing what he's done all season, just assisting. I don't think there's a, a better attacking fullback in the game at the moment, despite what Real Madrid would uh, have us believe. And yeah, f- for them, ninety minutes, not the hundred and eighty minutes that we thought that at least two of them might get. So yeah, great international break for the for the three of them.
1: Yeah, and, and in particular, the news about Luis Enrique and having to be called away, there's no news about exactly what it is, but it was an urgent family of urgency, so dedicating the win against Norway to their coach and and a bright sign as well from the team to support him uh, in in that, whether it winds up being something that is, uh, again, bad news for everybody. But let's move on to what we're talking about, the negative of the international break, and certainly. Every Kool-Aid held their breath when the news of Messi having a groin injury after that Venezuela game comes out. It was a 3-1 win for Venezuela at the Wanda Metropolitano. And obviously, like it always is, the international break always comes down to a lot of news about Lionel Messi, about Argentina not being up to it, about all this negativity around the Argentine national team. But then Messi returns to Barcelona and with report that came out just actually seconds ago that Messi seems to be back in training maybe not even full training but seemingly he should be back as well against Espanyol Uh, and, and it seemed like the report was that he was going to return to Barcelona anyway instead of going on and taking on Morocco in a an international friendly but the question other than physically how the international break affects him do you think that playing for Argentina affects Messi I
2: don't know what he has to gain now. I mean, he made his decision, didn't he, to leave a while ago. And I think it just draws him back in all the time. It's this, I don't know, this fire that he has that, you know, he's really got to win something with the national team to really be accepted by the Argentine people. I just said, you know, with these sets of friendlies, yes, we understand that he was always only going to play the first one anyway. But I don't see the point of him having to have played these particular set of games, especially with the players that he had alongside him. They're nowhere near his level. It was a pathetic, pathetic performance against Venezuela. He was the only bright spark in the whole team. And I don't know, I almost feel he has everything to lose and not really a lot to gain by Mm -hmm. playing in these games. And the fact that he was sort of quote-unquote injured has been a bit of a blessing in disguise, I think.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think the other issue I have with him suiting up for Argentina in this sense is knowing, as a Barcelona fan, what form he was in beforehand. Just how well he had been clicking. And it it did take him about a month or two to come back fully from the injury uh, right after the January window. And now that he was finally fully back in fitness, you could see it in recent weeks that he had finally gotten back to that level that he wasn't even at during the two Clasicos that were back to back and then playing for argentina not even physically but what worries you is that you see him almost lose rhythm and lose what he's trying to do but i also understand the counter argument from his perspective of why he is still suiting up argentina with the copa america this summer that's really what it's going to come down to that there's a lot of great players and yes we argue about him being the greatest of all time but i think Not every player, and it really just depends on where you're born on whether or not you win a World Cup. So when you look at these Argentina teams, and unfortunately names like Sergio Aguero and Angel Di Maria will show up in the history books. But I think people who know will know that this Argentina never had the quality around Messi to be able to compete with what was the Germany team that that beat them or or obviously what was going around a lot on the internet, people loving to uh, reminisce about the Spain team that won those two Euros and the World Cup in 2010. And he just never had that kind of quality around him. Uh, So I think that will be an argument that's remembered. But the Copa America is a different argument that with them losing back-to-back times to Chile, especially in the way they did when he missed that penalty kick, I think that's the final hurdle, hurdle he has to get over So if if Argentina finds a way and they're going to not in any way be favorites in this tournament, I think that is going to go to Brazil. But if they're able to win the Copa America, he can almost exercise that demon. I think people care a lot less about the World Cup than particularly in a time when he's going to be, what, 33, 34 when that one comes around.
2: Yeah, I think the Copa America is what he's aiming for. Personally, I think Argentina aren't going to get anywhere close to winning it. If they do, it will be solely down to him. And, you know, again, for me, I just, I don't know. I feel quite sad that he feels the need to want to have to keep proving himself. As kool Aids, as football fans, we all know the truth. We see it with our own eyes. So to, to my mind, there's not a need for him to sort of go into that tournament and deliver it. But it's as I said, it's a personal thing for him. Perhaps he feels, as you rightly said, he needs to exercise a demon. Maybe he can do it, but, you know. I'm, I'm not convinced, I've got to be honest.
1: Well, let's stick with some of the South Americans. Between Coutinho and Artur, Coutinho playing 90 minutes against Panama in a 1-1 draw, subbed off in the second, then Artur starting and getting subbed off in the first game, and then coming on in the second, a three-one win over the Czech Republic in the Czech Republic. So both Coutinho and Arter, even though they played Panama, stayed in Europe, and that's another big thing that we we forget about the international break. That travel is an important piece of the puzzle. You don't want to put too many uh, miles on these legs and on these bodies, and so staying in in Europe, in particular for Messi, just playing in Madrid was a big part of uh, this. International break not being too difficult on the Barcelona players, and Nelson Semedo never getting off the bench for Portugal, so he really wasn't strained in any way at all, uh, regardless of his travel. And Umtiti, 180 minutes in, a, in wins over Moldova. And then uh, where he then in the second match also gets a goal in a 4-0 win over Iceland, uh, both of those European qualifiers as well. The one guy that did travel, however, is Arturo Vidal, headed to the U.S. for games against Mexico and the U.S. And with Alex Sanchez out, he was the main focus of the team. And uh, I I watched actually both of those matches in full, and I thought that obviously Chile without Sanchez completely surrounded itself by Vidal, but he's to me in the messy camp that. The guy wants to play. He wants to play every minute of every game and getting 180 minutes almost galvanizes him coming back in. Yeah, I agree. I
2: think he needs it. And uh, I suppose the only possible negative if the, if there is one with Vidal. He's he's the last one back because of the travel where he's been. Mm-hmm. So he's not going to have that much time to sort of reacclimatise with his teammates before the weekend. But I mean he's look he's a consummate professional. There are a lot of Kool-Aids that when his signing was announced there it was another head scratcher for them. Was, why do we need players like this? You know, they're not Barcelona star. But I think he, he's proved on more than one occasion he's a real good uh, component of the team and he thrives on it he loves the responsibility after he got over this social media storm when he first came to the club whether he gets 10 minutes or an hour or even a full 90 minutes he always gives 100% does that for his country as well and uh, i can't fault him on you know, personally for me i think he's a fantastic player
1: and what about what's uh, happening with the germany national team ter stegen comes on in a friendly against serbia and then sat in the UEFA Euro qualifier against Solson and de Jong. A 3-2 win for Germany, which was one of the matches that highlighted this international break. But Manuel Neuer continues to be the starter there. And I, I think there is a Barcelona bias here, and it's hard for us to kind of break through that. But if you're listening to the Barcelona podcast, you know, obviously, how you know we value Marc-Andre Ter Stegen. But, I mean, what more would have to be done for him to move in front of Neuer? Um, and it seems like every win just pushes Ter Stegen farther down.
2: Yeah, it sounds a very odd thing to say, but I think they need a new national team coach for Ter Stegen to get in. There seems to be a real, um, no bias towards Neuer from Joachim uh, Love. Um, I really don't know why. I mean, Neuer's good in fits and starts but to stake it's not biased from our point of view yes we're barcelona fans but he's been sensational he's been consistent and i think that's the point at international level you have to have the players that are playing consistently well throughout the season but also at the time the games come around yeah and i think he's de- the managers developed this sort of mentality of having his old stars in, okay, one or two might get dropped now and then, but Neuer's been a constant, and I, I don't really understand that because form-wise, he hasn't been anywhere close to, to Testagan this season.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And again, from a Barcelona perspective, not much more, we could say, in defense of Stegen because, you know, he passes the eye test, he passes the, the statistics test, and uh, it, it just seems that Neuer is that consistency in what Lowe is creating with a lot of variables in dropping a lot of their, their former stars in Ozil or what have you, and moving on from an old generation yet keeping Neuer as the constant, hoping that his leadership from the back. I guess that would be my only thinking as to why. Uh, the one guy we haven't mentioned Yet, who was also out on international duty was even Rakitic, 180 minutes and a 2-1 win over Azerbaijan and a 2-1 loss to Hungary, both in UEFA Euro qualifiers and for Rakitic uh, playing a a little more of a reserve role actually in those, uh, setting up a little deeper as he did, uh, as he's been doing for Barcelona this season. And for me, Jason, I would see 180 minutes, but I'm not too worried about Rakitic because as he has been doing with Barcelona all season long, I, I think he's not only really, really good at conserving his energy, but he's a guy that clearly physically can take on the burden of playing all these minutes, and it doesn't seem to worry him too much.
2: No, not at all. He's a machine, isn't he? I think uh, he gets a lot of
1: bad press from Barcelona fans
2: in particular, but he's so consistent. He's been fantastic for club and country, and the 180 minutes for Croatia won't have worried him at all. He'll come back as good as ever, and I believe he'll be still be one of Barcelona's most important players in the last part of the season.
1: Yeah, and I thought he was, you know, particularly uh, awesome in the World Cup last summer. And I I wasn't, you know, the calls for that and worries about his form for me were at the beginning of this first half of this season for Barcelona, when I don't think he really had his A game yet. But he wound up rounding into form, as you've said, particularly in the spring, where he's just been uh, so tried and true, and had many, many more terrific performances than not. Now. Let's wrap up uh, La Grande Pagunta today by talking about uh, two guys who were technically, uh, technically out on national team duty, but technically not on FIFA-sanctioned national duty with Gerard PK and Ricky Pouge featuring in a 2-1 win with the Catalonia national team. And if you want more on the Catalonia national team, if uh, the, the understanding of where they stand with FIFA or what they, why we call it the national team or the history of the team going through the, the years when we talk about Sametier and Paulino Alcantara and the team during the Franco regime, all of that kind of stuff, I'll have the link to the YouTube video I did on the history of the team in the show notes. But I, I think the story coming out of this isn't even the 2-1 win over venezuela the same team that had just beat argentina but it was that gerard pk again does this thing that catches the headlines not because he said something but instead because he winds up quieting the catalan crowd that is chanting derogatory things about spain and it winds up being an earmark moment another one of then those in what has really turned out to be a fantastic Season so far for Gerard Piquet, and then Ricky Pouge as well getting a debut. He winds up playing a beautiful ball in that game that wound up making its way through social media. And for those two guys, a pretty successful trip locally, uh, right up the uh, the roadway there in northeast Spain.
2: Yeah, I think Piquet didn't really need to
1: play that game, let's be honest. It's his 10th yeah. cap, I think,
2: for Catalonia, and uh, the first one since he retired playing for Spain. Um, I don't really like to delve too much into sort of like the political situation and all this quieting down of, you know, Spanish supporters and stuff like that. But Piquet's become a very divisive character, whether he likes it or not, whether it's through his words or his deeds. I think in that game, he was Gerard Piquet. did everything exceptionally well. He was head and shoulders sort of metaphorically and physically above most other people on the pitch. had a great, great game. Does he need to continue playing for them? I don't think so, but he may well do. He's still got some years in his legs yet. Uh, Ricky, fantastic. I think it's great for him to be given a run out. I think there's a lot, lot more to come from him in the future. And uh, I just hope that, you know, Barcelona give him the minutes that he so obviously needs.
1: Well, they hadn't played since 2016, so we don't actually know when the next time they would play. And Xavi Hernandez was even supposed to come up from Qatar, but the club uh, basically, at the last minute, said, "No, we'd like you to stay here." And obviously, with an important player that's almost close to 40, they didn't want to see the the Catalonian Xavi leave and head for what is a a a, a friendly match that is not even sanctioned by FIFA. So that's where we leave it. Um, and I think the final question. As we try to answer La Pagunta today, Jason, um, would you say that for all the international breaks, regardless of the time that this was, that it wound up being you know more of a, a positive time? I guess you could say it's simple that nobody got injured, or, or would you still say that it was a net negative for the club moving back into this uh, remaining of, remainder of the season?
2: I know. For this particular one, I think it was positive for the reasons you've just outlined. I think everyone's come back. They're all going to be fighting, fit ready for the challenges ahead. And again, I go back to what I said before, it's actually an international break generally at this time of the season. that I really don't understand. But look, it's there. It's always going to be there. And, you know, thank goodness all our players are fine. And uh, let, let's sort of go again and hope we can pick up some trophies.
1: For sure. And let you and I now transition to La Ronda where we got some listener questions that come from our closed Facebook group at tvpod.link backslash group. And the guy who has the next decision to make now is Ernesto Valverde. Victor asks, how will Valverde manage the next two matches on Saturday and Tuesday against Espanyol and Villarreal? And Jason, my first guess is that it's really dependent on the players that come back from international break and when they do so, who features against Espanyol. And then probably everyone gets a full run out against Villarreal.
2: Yeah, I think it's very simply, we know Valverde doesn't like to rotate very much. I think he's going to play as full a squad as he can do or sorry as full of starting 11 as he can do in both of those games. Yeah you know, nothing's won yet. We need points on the board Catalan derby to begin with and then away at Villarreal where we generally do very well but I think unless there are issues in training leading up to that game th- then we're going to see a very very strong 11 in both of those matches.
1: Yeah and the interesting thing here too is that Villarreal is in absolute shambles so if you just remember them from the fall when they were getting draws, those draws have now turned into losses and Villarreal was in a bad way. So that could be one that gets nasty and Espanol just three days earlier as well. We know that that one winds up having more cards than it does goals on many, many occasions.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. Um, But as I say, look, Valverde doesn't like to rotate unless he really has to. And, I think the worst thing that Barcelona can do, actually, particularly in Villarreal's case, is to take them lightly, because I think we've come unstuck with that before, haven't we? Not very often, it must Mm -hmm. be said, but I think the, the Batiste game, I think back in November... That was the one that stuck in my mind. It was like everyone thought, oh, you know, we always win against them and look what happened. So I think at this stage of the season, I know we've got Atletico just afterwards. I know we've got Man United as well, but we've got to keep pushing on until those big fixtures are out of the way as well. And then as they come into the, the very last part of the season, maybe he'll look at things and start to sort of rotate and change things around then.
1: Well, as is typical with the international break, the rest of our listener questions are um, more about big picture ideas and transfer rumors and things about next year. So let's get into those with a question from James, who is the most realistic backup to Alba next season and the names he gives. And I think he's pretty good with his list here. Nacho Monreal from Arsenal, Alberto Moreno from Liverpool, Ferland Mendy from Lyon. Felipe Luis, Atletico Madrid, or David Alaba, who plays for Bayern Munich. And I guess, Jason, with the list that I gave you, give me the guy that you'd like to see and give me the one that you most think is going to show up at Barcelona in the, in the summertime.
2: The one I think I'd most like to see would be Ferland Mendy because of just the the, the way he plays. You know, he's very consistent in, in the, the way he plays. Um, He's great going forward, solid in in defence. The one who I think will come, if it were to be any of those, I think would be Felipe Luis, purely for the fact that I don't see Alba being dislodged on too regular an occasion during the season. And I think a lot of players are fed up with coming to Barcelona or any other teams and really playing second fiddle. You know, they want to feel like they're coming to a team and really challenging for a position. And I think particularly in the left back case, that doesn't really happen. Alba's been fantastic and you really wouldn't move him out of the team unless he was either injured or, you know, he'd really had a long run and he just needed a rest. So I think the likelihood of getting any of those is going to be Felipe Luiz, though I prefer Mendy.
1: Yeah. I'm going to actually go to where I've talked about Mendy, uh, and we've had Kevin Williams from the athletic on talking about him and, uh, Professor Urbini as well came on to talk about Mendy but uh, for me I, I think David Alaba is the best player of the bunch uh, but also the least likely so Ferland Mendy would be the one that you'd spend a lot of money to get and again I, I said we've enjoyed his game before but it seems to me that Alberto Moreno from Liverpool and don't be scared of the Liverpool moniker they certainly don't really want him there uh, no. he's fallen behind uh, Robertson the, the the Scottish left winger or left back who's really turned into a fantastic player uh, over the last year and a half uh, and, and Moreno is not really sniffing games and you know the, the Se- Sevilla born left back I think is kind of asking himself would I rather sit on the bench in in, Mer- in Merseyside where it's, re- where it's uh, nice and rainy or like many other players maybe Arturo Tehran uh, Art Artur Tehran as well to, is he thinking Man, maybe I'd rather just sit on a bench in Barcelona. I mean,
2: to me, that doesn't show ambition, though, does it? I mean, no. if, if you're going if you, if to move from a club, then you move to become first choice, period. Yeah. You, you, you don't move just to sit on a bench somewhere else. Okay, maybe he wants a suntan, so come over. But I don't see that at all.
1: But do you think there's also something to it about, about knowing that you're coming to win trophies in a way that Jason Murillo... Maybe he would have believed that he was going to play, but he was getting out of a negative situation at Valencia. Uh, it comes on loan to Barcelona where, he, I mean, he couldn't get any less playing time than he did at Valencia. And coming to Barcelona, now you have the hope of winning trophies.
2: Yeah, but you're not really winning them, are you? You're, you're, you're just there, as a, almost like a statue. You're not True. taking part as such. Yeah. Um, to me, that's not winning trophies. You, there are play, I mean, Douglas... How many t- how many trophies quote unquote did he win, and how many games did he play over the period of time he was at the club? I mean, it's ridiculous. It's uh, if that's how you you want to sort of frame it that someone comes to Barcelona to win trophies, but actually they've won the trophies by sitting on the bench more than half the time. That's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree with you that I, I think the other thing too is about Alba signing that contract. That competition is best for those positions as well. I mean, would Sergio Roberto and Nelson Samedo be as good if they weren't pushing each other? Where if one of them has a poor performance, they could get the next two or three games on the bench uh, with obviously Semedo being the one who's been dropped now twice this year. But Semedo did have that run out as well uh, when he was in really, really good form and we saw more and more of him. Now, we're going to switch gears a little bit to Barcelona B. Charlie asks, if the jump from Barca B in the third division where... They could still numerically qualify and get into the playoffs to try to get the right to move back to the Segunda Division, but Barca B at this this very moment looked very very unlikely to move back in. It looks like they'll be in the third division again next year, and this coming off the the back of a proposed deal with Ajax, a partnership. Uh, that not, not too many devel- details, obviously, have been divulged, but uh, Jason, what have you read and what do you think of this uh, potential partnership between Barcelona and Ajax, which I, I'm amazed that it would take this long to f- have that really be something that's set in motion?
2: I think, should it happen, I'm not convinced it will happen, but I think, should it happen, I think it would be very good for, for both clubs. I think, you know, the way that Ajax sc- school their players, the, the styles are very, very similar and I think it would be a nice transition. I feel quite sad for Ajax in the sense that, really, at this point, they're always seen as a selling club, but it benefits Barcelona for sure. I think the adverse effect of it happening, should it happen, will be from Barca B players and La Messia players, because at the moment, although it's a very small carrot, there is the carrot dangling there that if you do well, you know, you can push through. And the hope is to get to the senior side. It's not happened as often as everybody would like, but it could happen. I think by throwing Ajax into the mix, although the the, the quality of player would, you would think, be better, it would then deflate a lot of the people that are in the academy because it would be even more slim chance of them pushing unless they're very, very good players. They're sort of at Barcelona, really, just to make up the numbers. And if they'll know, really, that when they start to place in senior teams, it's not going to be at Barcelona. And so I'm not sure, long term, if it's going to be a good move. But let's see what happens.
1: Well, yeah, we're going to stick on this topic. Uh, Rick asks, reports are that the club is looking for somewhere for Ricky Poo's. Pust- to get minutes should he be loaned out to be a starter to continue or continue on at Barcelona next season to fight for those minutes and I, I just I, I've said it in in many shows uh, in the past as well that with any proposed agreement with any club now before Man City uh, bought that stake in Girona they would have been a potential club you'd feel would be a good for a partnership but alas now with Ix potentially being a good club for a partnership my feeling is not necessarily that it's a Carlos Alenaz and the Ricky Pouge, and maybe even a Chumi, who seems to be the next center back up, not to be promoted to the first team, but the one that's going to be relied on in an emergency, in a a break glass in case of emergency moment for the coaching staff. Um, But it seems to me that the more the... The, the Carlos Perez, the Cayado even an Abel who seems to not be within a year or two of the first team still and seems like he has a lot more minutes and a lot more work to do before he can break through. It seems like that's the level that would be loaned out to Ajax. And for me... Ricky Pouge would be a guy that you keep with the Barcelona first team, that that they basically can earmark these guys by the age of 18 or 19. And I know that's awful young and guys can get better, but that's why you don't sell on the players' rights to Ajax or somewhere else, but instead you loan them out and see if if Carlos Perez, with the the winger situation at Barcelona, if he's able to go out on loan and really take a big step forward, well, then he'll find himself back there. But Pouge, in the other respect for me, he's already ready. I mean, he's already to, to find minutes. if And just you put the onus on the manager in Valverde to say, hey, you know, clearly this guy's good enough. Can we find some minutes for him?
2: Yeah, but there it is the conundrum, isn't it? Clearly he is good enough, but we have a manager that is safety first, really, at all times. And that's the, the really the only criticism I'd have of Valverde. I think in Pooch's case... Um, I wouldn't like to see him go out on loan, but if he's not going to be given significant enough minutes next season, I think it's almost a foregone conclusion. I think he has to go out on loan because he needs, he can't be playing in a league that is so far below his standard because all it's going to end up doing is going to knock him back and he needs to progress at this stage. And look, there's plenty of, perhaps not now this season, but there's plenty of opportunities next season, certainly in the early part of the season for Poosh to play. And it's just whether Valverde has the willingness, like Guardiola did many, many years ago, to bring the young players in and just to say, right, like, there you are, there's your opportunity, show us what you can do. And I don't really think Valverde's got that in him. And I hope that doesn't come back to him. Yeah,
1: and if Pooch does get minutes, though, I-, I think where do those minutes come from would be the question I'd ask Jason.
2: Well, I'll throw that back to you. I mean, for me, I'm Copper Del Rey, which I suppose is after Christmas. Perhaps the games where the the so-called lesser teams i say that with respect yeah. the, the and i'm not talking about 10 minutes here or there as a sub we're talking about a minimum of 45 minutes maybe even an hour he's good at, he's shown already that how good he is and players like that such natural talents you have to give them their wings you have to allow them to blossom and if you don't do that that's when there's problems and i'd hate for the club to lose a player of his quality
1: yeah, and I just want to frame it one more time, then. Whose minutes are are, are Pooj and particularly, I guess, even Alanya? Who, and, I mean, not even considering Frankie de Young, uh, but whose minutes is, is Pooj walking into then? Oof. Right? I think that's a question that I, I agree with you, that I there's the situations when he should be playing. We know what those are. We intrinsically understand, oh, this is a match that we need to see Pooj in. But again, at whose expense, where I just was praising Artur Vidal, but if, if, it's, if it's a uh, they play musical chairs at the start of the preseason uh, when the transfer window opens, I, I think Vidal might be somebody who, while he does have a role in the team, might not find a, a chair there. And I, I think the thing that people keep saying is that with the club reportedly not offering even Rakitic uh, the extension that he might want, that they don't want to sell him but they might have to just had a necessity for the future. And it doesn't make sense because, again, Rakitic is good enough. He belongs in the club. He belongs with the way that Valverde plays. And he's, you know, it's not that he's not good enough. That's not why you sell him. It's not that he's fallen out of favor. That's not why you sell him. They almost, you know, but it doesn't make sense. I, I There's a part of me that can't believe that the club would sell a player that's so, so pivotal to what Valverde and the club are currently doing in this modern era to... Facilitate all these minutes for youngsters that Valverde may not necessarily believe in at the moment.
2: I think as well, it depends what system he wants to play. He does love a 4 4 2. I think if he's going to try and fit Prouge in somewhere, whether that be at Vidal's expense or Rakitic, I mean, it's going to take a big switch around, which I'm not sure Valverde would be willing to do. And you, when you consider the other players as well, you mentioned De Jong, you've got Alenya, um, Coutinho. If he stays, will play probably in the midfield rather than in the front three. It's very, very difficult to find minutes. I do agree, but it's having such talent in in the background, as it were, that these players need to play. And perhaps the only the only way you get round it is to loan them out to your IXs and teams like that, give them the benefit of minutes elsewhere to bring them in, perhaps in a year's time when you may legitimately be able to argue that you could then move Rakitic and Vidal on and, and shuffle things around a little bit.
1: And this is the final question from Ellie. Would you loan Todibo to Ajax as part of a potential delict deal? And, you know, it's not that you're giving up on Todibo, but again, this is an example of he clearly is, a. I mean, he's not even close to being 20 years old. So as a center back, he still obviously has some seasoning to go. He's played 10 official first team minutes for Toulouse before getting frozen out due to his contract situation. So I think you do that in a heartbeat if that's what IX is willing to do in return. You're not selling the player, but you're merely just giving him the option, potentially, of first team minutes. And I, I guess the question for you, Jason, because we don't know where you stand on it, are you yay or nay to DeLict and at what cost?
2: I think when a player like DeLict becomes available, if indeed he is available and wants to come, I don't think you can turn down that sort of talent. I know he's very young, but he's proved himself beyond doubt. Ajax—he's very mature for his age. The style in which he plays will be very, very complementary to to what we have. Um, to Debo, I think really we probably bought him so nobody else could buy him. It was one of those situations, to, and uh, I think he has to be loaned out because PK won't be going just yet. You've got Clement Longley, who's been for me, has been having a sensational season. Um, Umtiti, obviously, is still there. We don't know what's going to happen with him. I don't see Tadipo getting anywhere near the first team in terms of starting for quite some time yet. And again, like we said with Push, I know they're from different backgrounds, but both need minutes. So absolutely, I would send him to Ajax if that became part of any deal with Delict.
1: Yeah, and I'm 100% with you on Delict, that when a talent like that becomes available, and I don't want to argue about the word generational or anything like that, but when a talent like him becomes available and i think there is an understanding within a lot of clubs and a lot of fans in the world i think there's an ignorance to seeing players and hype and all the things that social media can do but delict over the last now two years since he was 17 years old has continued to pass every test that we've seen and every time you see him you go this kid is really something truly special, where you don't just see him once or twice, or he plays three matches in a in a World Cup for a, a smaller nation, and you go, "Yeah, we're gonna make sure we get this guy in." Or it's not like he had one Champions League campaign. It's that over the course of two to three seasons, this teenager has already shown you that he is absolutely going to be the best center back in the world. If given a proper situation, if his body holds up and everything goes right, he's gonna be the number one guy. In, in maybe even three, two, three, four years time, he's going to be the guy. And that's a guy that if he wants to come to Barcelona and you could figure out a way to do it, then I guess you, yeah, I think it's right. You worry about everything else, then afterwards.
2: Yeah, I think the only possible issue is is the fee and, and the money. I think obviously players need to be sold for him to come in. But as you've just said, when talents like that become available and importantly, they want to come as well, you've got to go all out to bring them in.
1: Well, Jason, we were able to get you to come in uh, after recording another show. Really, really appreciate it. I I think one of the things that I once told somebody uh, about when we were going through some of the former guests I'd have, I I mentioned that Jason Pettigrove is one of the nicest big deal kind of guys that he's just willing to do and and even on short notice come on this show. I, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show, and I'd love to know how else people can find you.
2: Okay, they can find me on Twitter. It's just simply at Jason Pettygrove. If you want to find me on Facebook as well, it's at Jason Pettygrove journalist. And let's get one thing straight I'm not a big deal kind of guy. I'm more than happy to come on. I love your show and I'm very, very grateful that you've invited me on again. So thank you very much.
1: Well, we're going to have all of Jason's information in the show notes as well as the information for this show where you can subscribe. You can also find us on social media. We're on Twitter at the Barcelona Pod or at D 13 for me and on Instagram at the Barcelona Pod. Our closed Facebook group where you got those listener questions from is tbpod.link backslash group. For deeper dives and discussions, you can also help us out on Patreon. Continue making these shows at tbpod.com dot link backslash patreon we're also on youtube as i mentioned i just came out with a feature on the catalonia national team and their history and that is on our youtube channel at the barcelona podcast again all that's in the show notes so check us out and hit that subscription button but this is the podcast so thanks so much for listening to the show and until next time we'll talk to you soon in force of our side